as you join us today. We're so thankful for your continued support of our ministry, and we hope that this sermon today will answer some questions for you in your life and how to live comfortably in an uncomfortable world. If you have your Bible, take it and turn with us this morning to the book of Philippians, and let's see what the Lord has to say for us. While you're turning there, Paul is in jail, writing a church at Philippi, and everything seems to be at loss with the church of Philippi. And here's what it says. So then, in this way, my dearly beloved brothers, my crown and my joy, stand firm in the Lord. Dear friends, I urge you, I urge you to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, a true partner, would you help those women who have contended for the gospel at my side? Would you help them along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Rejoice in the Lord always. Underline that in your Bible. I say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, underline that, but in everything through prayer and supplication and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts. It will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, not trending, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence, well, there's a lost trade, isn't it? If there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned. Boy, circle that in your Bible. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And receive, do what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at last you have renewed your care for me. But were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. I know both how to have a little, and I know how to have a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret. Here it is. The secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardships. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left for Macedonia, no church cared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Now that I seek the gift, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full. And I have an abundance. I have fully supplied with, a, with having received from uh, what you have provided, a fragrant offering, a welcome sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God 
shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Those brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those from Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Man, as we think about this passage of Scripture and I read this verse, I think the topic that I want to speak to you about is how to live, how to be at peace, how to live in comfort in an uncomfortable world. How do I live in comfort in an uncomfortable world? How am I at peace in this situation? Well, there's a couple things that I want to give you for a backdrop. Paul is writing here to a church that he planted. He birthed it when he was in prison. And now he finds himself in prison again. And the baby church is in distress. They're heartbroken because their apostle, their forefather, is now in prison. I was telling somebody this week we need to start a bail fund because the direction we're heading in this country, with the direction from Washington and now our state house in Louisiana, preachers are going to need bail money. You know, there's a, we're kind of nestled between two states. In Mississippi, they seem to have great conviction. In Texas, they told the president this week, keep your 30 shekels of silver. We're sticking with the stuff. And yet our governor, our new governor, seems to now be advocating against the word of God. You say, the word of God, he, he's not doing that. Yes, he is. The decrees and the edicts that he's already made are contrary to what God's word says. So if you make a decree, if you sign an executive order, which he did, that is contrary to the word of God, then you're against God. Now, as we think about this, so we, Paul finds himself in jail. And so I, as your founding pastor, you may need to realize that one day you may be sending need to me in prison. Please come see me, amen? You can see us on Saturdays, I think. Now, as you think about that, the interesting dynamic is this. It's that how do we live comfortably in an uncomfortable world? Do you feel uncomfortable? Does this week made you feel uncomfortable? Has the things that we've heard as the new executive order made you feel uncomfortable? The executive order over transgender, and I don't want to really spend a lot of time on that because we're going to look in a couple of weeks at exactly what does the Bible say about that. And how does that relate to where, reply to where we are in the context of the life that we're living? So, I mean, we're feeling comfortable and we're feeling uncomfortable. And the whole, it seems like, I, was, I read a statistic this week, I think my, somebody told me, or it might have been my wife, that 3% of a half a percent of people identify as transgender. I read one place that was like 700,000 people in the whole United States. But we're so determined to make them feel comfortable and to be accepted that we're willing to make the rest of the country uncomfortable. Listen, you're not supposed to feel comfortable when you're in con living contrary to the Word of God. Amen. Now, as we think about this, so how do we as believers live comfortably, be content in an uncomfortable situation. Well, if you go back with me, there's a couple of things I want you to highlight. The Bible says in verse 4, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, Paul is writing this to the church of Philippi, a church that he birthed. Where is he writing it from? Prison. And he's writing to them and he says, when you get together, don't you hang your head. Don't you lower your shoulders. Don't you milly mouse around and feel sorry for me in prison. Because if you go back to chapter 1, he said, it's became known to the whole palace guard that my chains are not in vain, but they are in Christ. And he says, don't you hang your head when you get to the church, when you assemble and you get the deacons and you get the bishop and bishops and you get the women and you get the pastors and you get the children. You come together and rejoice, rejoice again. I say rejoice. I think Paul was trying to get a point across. What is the point? Number one, write this down, that we keep our focus that we keep our focus. The focus is that we model our life after our master. That is the focus. The focus is that we are imitators of Christ. The focus is that we not be conformed to the world, but be conformed to the image of Christ. That we are predestined. Yes, we are predestined for hell Absolutely not. We are predestined to be made in the image of Christ. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl has an opportunity to be predestined. God predestined us that we be conformed to the image of Christ and we need to keep our focus on the right thing. Yes, you may live uncomfortably. The interesting thing for us in the United States is this is the first time in history, and I was, I was really researching this a little bit this week, <clears throat> that we're the first nation that started out as a Christian nation. And it feels so uncomfortable. Now, I want you to stay with me right here. It feels so uncomfortable for us because in the beginning was God in Genesis 1. When America was birthed and those pilgrims got in a wind-driven vessel and started coming across the ocean, they came over here with a purpose. To, they was fleeing the tyranny of a king, issuing edicts and decrees, telling them how they could worship and how they could live. And so they sacrificed their life, their treasure, and their family's life on a hope to be able to live in freedom. And so when our country was birthed in the beginning, it was a Christian nation. For all of these years, we have flowed in the direction of a Christian nation. President Barack Obama said upon his newly election as president in the beginning of that, he said, we are no longer a Christian nation. And he's absolutely right. We have forsaken the principles of the word of God. And that really stirred up a bunch of Christians because it's like he's telling us that we are not. Now listen, we, we gave up on Christian principles a long time ago. It didn't just start in the last eight years. Amen. Are you out there? I mean, we took it a long time ago, and we've been taking it on the chin, and we've been laying down, and we've been forsaking the principles of God's Word, and now it's we're reaping the harvest of that. We're reaping the harvest of that. Now, before we blame it all on the millennials, hang on a second. I mean, we gave up a long time ago when one little demon-driven woman decided that she was offended because we were praying to God in public places. That didn't start with, I'm telling you, the millennials were not even a twinkle in your eye when that was happening. Amen. Are you out there? 
Now, here's what I want you to understand. We've got to keep our focus. You see, most Christians, when people come to know Christ in other countries, they are coming to know Christ They're swimming against the tide. They're going against the grain. They're living in a context and a culture that is an antichrist culture. It's against the fundamental principle of the word of God. And that's just how it is. In the beginning of their life, when they make the decision to follow Christ, that's how it was. I mean, look, when they were, when the early church, when the whole New Testament was written, that's how it was was it was against the flow of the word of god and so most nations are like that if you accept christ in china you need to know that you're you're going against the tide you're going against the flow but it's not keeping them from accepting christ they are embracing the uncomfortable gospel. I'm telling you that when you accept christ and you may die for it you're not looking for a watered down version of it I mean, you're looking for the full force, the full dose. When we go into other countries and we see what's happening in the Middle East, where Christians are being executed at a rate right now higher than it's been in a long time, I want you to understand those guys are marching to their death because they are living out the uncomfortable gospel in an uncomfortable context in the most comfortable way because they are rejoicing in the Lord they are giving God the glory. Whoo, mercy. It ain't even comfortable preaching it, much less living it. Rejoice. How do we rejoice that we know our chains are in Christ? When they persecute you, when a religious party issues down a decree that's contrary to the word of God, that we be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that we are confident that he who begun a good work in us will complete it. When a government issues decrees that are contrary to the word of God, that you stand firm, that you're rooted, and that you're keeping your focus. I'm telling you that trouble is our best friend. Trouble will run you to Jesus when nothing else will. Amen? Hello, trouble. Come on in. And when we think about this, you must keep your focus. I'm telling you today that we better get a laser focus on the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, within the next several months, there's no telling what's going to happen in our nation, in our country. President Obama said, I want to fundamentally remake the United States. Do you know he's already done that? And without his back against the wall, and without acknowledging that we're not a Christian nation, without doing all of these things, I want you to understand something. There's no telling where we're headed. You better be headed to a focus on Jesus Christ and nothing less and anchoring your hope in him and him alone because he is our only way out. We must keep our focus. What is the focus? Rejoice. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Paul said in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 
That means when you get a pay raise, you stand up and you give him thanks. That means when you lose your job, you stand up and you give him thanks. That means when you get married, you stand up and you give him thanks. That means when your spouse walks out the door, you stand up and you give him thanks. That means when your children are doing everything right and you're posting all their end of the year awards on social media, you give him thanks. That means when your children are arrested and they're drug into the jail cell, you give him thanks because God is the author of everything, the author and finisher of our faith, and we need to stand fast and say, Lord, I'll serve you when everything's going right. Lord, I'll serve you when everything is going wrong. Lord, I'll serve you when we're praying in the schoolhouse. Lord, I'll serve you when we forsake you in the White House. Lord, I'll serve you when the whole country is exalting your name. Lord, I'll serve you when the whole country is abandoning your name. Lord, I'm like the tree planted by the living water. I shall not be moved. Lord, where else shall we go? You have the word of life. In John 6, when they turned and walked away, because it was a hard saying, like you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. That Mickey Mouse group around him didn't even say, Jesus, could you expand on that a little further? No, they turned and walked away because it was an uncomfortable gospel. Because he didn't want them to live their life as infants, as children, as babies on the milk. He wanted them to put some roots down. And he wanted them to go a little bit further. He wanted them to have some spiritual depth in their life. He wanted something to happened and they turned and walked away because that's not what they wanted and he turned to the 12 and he said you you listen boys if you're looking for a spot to get off here's where you need to get off because it's not going to get any easier it's not going to become any easier to walk with me it only gets harder from here it only gets harder from here from here it gets harder and peter said lord where else can we go Thou hast the words of life. In these perilous times, if you want to live comfortably in an uncomfortable situation, you must keep your focus. The second thing you must do is you must keep your purpose. What was the focus? Rejoice in the Lord. What was the purpose? To let your gentleness be known to everyone. To let your gentleness know. I, can I just be honest with you? Right now this morning, I have a hard time praying for some people. When I see people that are living and issuing decrees and edicts that are contrary to the word of God, I'm not super spiritual. I've got a hard time praying for them. But I don't have an option. God said that I must obey those who have rule over you. I must pray for them. I must pray for them. I must pray for them. I must lift them up in the name of Jesus I must lift them up so that God might be glorified after all the Bible says the heart of the king is in his hand and he can turn it whichever way he wants to let our gentleness be known to all mankind well that's hard isn't it isn't it amazing how we live in a society where Christians have been displaying gentleness for a long time and they've just been taking stuff on the chin. But when the people who are unbelievers have to take something that they don't want, they riot in the streets and all goes wrong. 
We must keep our focus. We must keep our purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is that we glorify God. If we're in the church, we glorify God. If we're on the workplace, we glorify God. If you're in the shopping mall, we glorify God. And the hardest place is when you're driving. Try to glorify God. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I have to repent more over my driving than anything else. Amen? And so as we think about this, that we keep our purpose. Our purpose is that we glorify God. Our purpose is that in everything we give thanks. The second thing is that we keep our, the third thing, we keep our passion. Don't you let what's happening right now steal your passion. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that Republican candidates did not give you your passion. They did not give you your purpose. They did not give you your focus. I'm telling you, your Democratic candidates did not give you your purpose. They did not give you your passion. They did not give you your focus. That comes from God the Father. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It matters what's going on within you. Hear me out today, young people, as you are moving into a world that is contrary to the Word of God, that the things are anti-Christ in our country, in our society, you must understand that we that we are the the one thing we control is what's happening within us and that within us we don't let people steal our passion that you don't get so up in arms over the issue being declared this week but that you get up in arms when you're not growing on the inside when you're not maturing in the faith come on church we've got to quit mickey mousing around we've got to let some things go that are comfortable to our lustfulness that are comfortable in our society and say Lord Jesus I'm running to the mercy seat Lord I'm headed for trouble times I'm telling you that for days when the meteorologists get on television and they say there's a hurricane a coming there's a storm a coming it's headed in the Gulf I'm telling you what happens when it hits the Gulf of Mexico a bombard Home Depot a bombard Lowe's and they bombard the supermarkets and they begin to batten down the hatches. They begin to cover up the windows because the storm is coming. I'm telling you today as a prophet this morning that the storms are coming. The storms are here. We're filling the outer wind force. We're filling the things happening around us. And you better batten down the hatches in the word of God and be rooted and be steadfast and be unmovable and be unshakable in the word of God. Amen. I'm not being negative. I'm telling you that you can live in comfort in uncomfortable times. A book you may want to pick up is Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormwood. Wormbrand. Another book is The Hiding Place. That we can make a difference. That we can make a difference in the world around us. The Bible says this, that we keep our focus, we keep our purpose, we keep our passion. And if you'll do those three things, you know what you'll have? Peace. Look at here. I'm not making this stuff up. Look at what it says right here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds through Christ Jesus. I have learned to be content, Paul said. I have learned to abound. I have learned to be a base. I have learned to excel. I have learned to fail. I know that whether I'm failing, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm full, whether I'm poor, whether I'm rich, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. As we conclude this sermon this morning, God is calling you to that new level. We hope that he will continue to speak to your heart and give you the direction you need. Right where you are, just commit your life and begin to say, Lord Jesus, have your way in me. If we can help you at Family of Grace, it would be our greatest honor. Please reach out to us and let us help you with that journey. As you know, we've been sharing with you quite often about our ministry in Peru. Today, we have finally been able to accomplish this week being able to get a roof on top of our building there. We wanted to show a video of our pastor and what God is doing there so you can continue to pray for us. I hope this will really encourage you about what God is doing. Hola, soy el pastor Walter Acosta, pastor de Familia en Gracia aquí en Perú. Hello, I am Pastor Walter Acosta, pastor from Family Grace Church here in Pamplona, Peru. Atrás mío está todo lo que es Pamplona. Behind me is Pamplona. Un lugar en el cual Dios nos ha dado para poder predicar la palabra de Dios. A place that God has given us to preach the word of God. Y aunque hay mucha necesidad, Although there are a lot of needs, Dios quiere levantar discípulos que puedan creerle a Dios y cambiar sus vidas. God wants to write disciples here to change life. Miren acá este barrio en el cual hemos puesto una iglesia. You can see this neighborhood where we have planted a church. En este lugar no hay agua. In this place, the people don't have water. Y la luz es muy escasa. And they don't have electricity. It's very Pero miren lo que está atrás y es la nueva construcción de la iglesia. Quiero que vean las bases de la iglesia. Ha sido un trabajo muy fuerte. Pero yo puedo estar gozado en Dios de que Dios ya ha permitido que esté ya listo para que empecemos los cultos. And we're going to start working. Estamos emocionados de que por fin tenemos ya techado el lugar. We are very excited that finally we have the roof built. Pero cuando uno ya avanza, hay nuevos desafíos. But when we keep moving forward, there are new challenges. Ahora necesitamos ponerle puerta a este local. Now we need to provision for to put doors to this place. Las ventanas. We need to put windows. Comprar 50 sillas. We need to buy 50 chairs. Y equiparlo para que pueda ser listo para que la gente ya venga a congregar. Estamos diseñando una pequeña escalera para que la gente pueda entrar directo a la iglesia. Estas semanas ya empezamos los estudios bíblicos. We are going to start the Bible study in this week. Agradezco a Dios que tenemos un equipo muy fuerte que está trabajando. I'm very thankful with God because we have a very strong team that is working. Y agradecemos ustedes porque somos familia 
trabajando juntos. And we thank you because we are a family working together. Ahora voy a mostrarle la iglesia por dentro. Now I'm going to show you the church for inside. Este lugar vamos a poder predicar la palabra de Dios. At this place we are going to be able to preach the word of God. Agradecemos a Dios por todas las personas que han colaborado para poder tener lo que tenemos hoy día. We are very thankful with God for all the people that have collaborated for what we have today. Como verán, ya está listo para comenzar a enseñar, a dictar clases de inglés y poder trabajar con los niños. As you can see, the temple is ready to have the Sunday school classes, to dictate English classes and other things. Nuevamente, gracias por todo lo que Dios ha permitido hacer. So one more time, thank you so much for what, ha, what God has allowed us to do. Declaramos que lo mejor está por venir. We declare that the best is coming. Que Dios los bendiga. God bless you.